have a whole, whole, whole lot to talk about tonight. The, the breakneck speed of Alberta politics seems to only be committed to accelerating. We've got a couple of a smaller little tidbits that we need to deal with, and then we're going to get into the main event, same as the last main event, but with way more developments, I guess. Um, we're going to be joined a little bit on with uh, Sarah Biggs in just a bit, and she's going to help us provide a little bit of context for everything that's going on. And then, as always, we've got, uh, we're going to be opening up the floor once we get through the rundown to anybody on the Twitter spaces who have any thoughts that they, they want to share, because uh, it's, uh, things are a little bit, a little bit nutty. People have some thoughts. Want to start off by saying thank you to everybody who's been reaching out to us over the last few days. Uh, we've gotten some really important context from some folks about some of the things that we're going to be talking about, and we wouldn't be able to uh, have some of these conversations without the the support of, of 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 folks who like the ones who reach out. So thanks everybody for doing that. Getting started right out of the gates, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna start with start with something light. Start with something fun. Tyler Shandro had himself a bit of a weekend. Um, so <laughs> the Black Label Society played in Calgary and some folks got to do some selfies with the current justice minister who dressed all the way down to a T-shirt for the for the show. It's uh, it's good, probably. It's, it's good, probably, that Tyler has a little bit of a, a an outlet for some pent up aggression, maybe going to a few more, few more rock shows will be healthy for him because he's got a bit of a week going on this week. So one of the, one of the big stories this week is that Tyler Shandro is now in day two, just wrapped up day two of his hearing with the law society. For anybody who's not familiar, Tyler Shandro had some complaints that were forwarded onto the law society and they were forwarded on because there were concerns about some things that he had done while he was the health minister. And there's three things in particular. One of them was he uh, appeared in the, the driveway of a physician who he was a, an acquaintance or, or friend of, depending on whose versions of events we want to, to go with. After that person had posted a meme about his wife's company, which is a private healthcare company, referring to a potential conflict of interest between the health minister privatizing health services and his wife having a private health company. Uh, Tyler Shandro and his wife allegedly showed up in the driveway. Words were exchanged. Tears were shed. It was all very dramatic. And uh, that's the first one. The second one is um, Mr. Shandro allegedly obtained a phone number of a physician who had expressed some concerns with his management style, let's say, uh, and had obtained that phone number through inappropriate um, pathways. So there were some privacy concerns. Even Alberta Health Services acknowledged that, uh, yeah, he probably shouldn't have been able to get the number in the way that he did. The third one was there was a, a lady who wrote an email expressing concerns about, again, Mr. Shandro and the potential conflict of interest that existed between his wife's private health care company and his role as health minister. And he responded to her from she wrote to the the wife, Tyler Shandra responded from his official government email address and said that if she didn't stop uh, writing, then they would go ahead and get the legislative security folks involved. 
So this has been going on for two days now. Uh, there have been a bunch of amazing reporters who've been doing a fantastic job of live tweeting it. And it's been a, a fascinating glimpse into how that whole process works. Because on one hand, it seems like the, the facts aren't really being contested at this law society hearing, except for perhaps one or two. The biggest one seems to be uh, in regards to when Tyler Shander showed up in the physician's driveway. I'm not even joking. There was a huge back and forth on this. The, the biggest fact that's being contested seems to be whether or not Tyler Shandro actually cried. That's apparently a critically important detail in determining whether or not he was acting uh, appropriately for somebody who is a lawyer. Do with that what you will. But speaking of healthcare and privatization, we saw some other developments. Uh, Alberta Health Services announced that they had uh, arranged to have a bunch of orthopedic surgeries contracted out, uh, thousands actually of orthopedic sur surgeries contracted out to independent clinics to tackle a backlog. Now, this is a uh, complicated subject matter because there's no question that people are having to wait for orthopedic procedures. And there's no question that when we're talking about things like hip replacements and knee replacements, those can be life changing surgeries. And certainly the chronic pain that people who need those surgeries live with can be extremely debilitating and life affecting. So it's not up for debate whether or not people need these surgeries. We need to be really clear about that. What is up for debate is through which pathways we should go as a province to make sure that people get these surgeries. And the pathway that the province seems to be pursuing, which is consistent with what they've been doing for a while now, is the pathway of, hey, you know what? Let's, uh, let's get some folks paid. And there's an important distinction to be made here. Because when we're talking about surgeries that happen within the healthcare system, those are health procedures that are funded with public money that money though with the exception of what goes to the the physicians the money stays in the system so the the money that would go towards the operating rooms the money that would go towards the supplies the money that would go towards all of the things that need to happen to make that surgery happen stay within the public system when we start to move it out to privately contracted facilities well things start to change a little bit because now that money is completely leaving the public health system and going towards private contractors. There's also very real concerns that have been raised in regards to the fees and the, the fact that it does, at the end of the day, cost more to have these procedures done at for-profit facilities because, well, they're for-profit facilities and Alberta Health Services doesn't have a for-profit mandate. It's also worth noting that this isn't the first recent move wherein we've seen the provincial government move towards privatizing services. We saw just a little while ago, Alberta Health Services announced that they were making some changes to how interfacility transfers are done in the province of Alberta in regards to EMS. A little bit of background that's important to understand here. When we're talking about EMS, we're talking about effectively ambulances. 
And ambulances respond to emergencies, for sure. That's where most people are aware of ambulances. But there's also a separate fleet of ambulances that respond to transfers. So this is when somebody needs to be moved from one hospital to another hospital, whether it's for tests, whether it's because they're being uh, transferred to that facility for a longer period of time, whether it's for procedures. A lot of different reasons people get moved around the healthcare system. When those people get moved around the healthcare system, they get moved by these interfacility transfer ambulances. Now, as we've talked about on the show before, there's a lot of people who believe that these interfacility transfer ambulances are specialized in the same way. You can't say a doctor's a doctor because a gastroenterologist isn't the same thing as an oncologist. They have two very different specialties. Well, there's a lot of people who say paramedic is not just a paramedic because an emergency paramedic has a very different skill set than a transfer paramedic. Well, the province announced just recently that what they're going to be doing is they're going to be shuttering the, the service of interfacility transfers, except for emergencies within Alberta Health Services. And they're going to be contracting out all of those transfers to private companies. They've put out a, a request for uh, proposals. How much is it? How, who, who wants to drive an ambulance? Who wants to drive a private ambulance and make some money? And again, this will theoretically infuse a little bit more resources into the system. But the conversation comes back to at what cost? Because all of the money that historically would have gone towards maintaining the Alberta Health Services fleet and the training and the supplies and all of those things around that, all of those things now are being, that money is being redirected outside to a private company. And this is the fundamental conversation that has to do with private versus part of the fundamental conversation that has to do around the conversation of private versus public health care, because there is money that will be leaving the public health system that if it was purely publicly delivered, wouldn't be. Now, is that worth it? That's up for a lot of debate as well, but it's an important conversation that we should be having. And we're not doing a great job of having it right now because there's a lot of people who are very frustrated. They're very tired with healthcare delays. But one of the big things that has to be included in this conversation when we're talking about the healthcare system is that there are no changes that are going to take effect and make a major difference overnight, period, end of sentence. One thing that we've heard from healthcare unions and physicians and healthcare workers over and over and over again is that the reason why our healthcare system is in the state that it's in right now is because it has been neglected for decades. The question that we need to ask is, are we willing to sell off parts of the healthcare system? Are we willing to chop off some of the arms and legs of the healthcare system in order to maybe have a shot at expediting the recovery process? Well, there's a lot of people who say, if you look at the health system, the national health system in England and its current status, not so much. Got one other little story that I want to editorialize on a little bit. Because uh, because I want to. Uh, and then we're going to get into the main event. And that story has to do with the tweet that came out of Grand Prairie. And this is, here's the thing with this. So, uh, Susan Van Hell, who is a, a, a drag queen, tweeted out, 12 people showed up to a protest drag story time as part of Literacy Week at the Grand Prairie Library. Only 12 in one of the most oil-filled conservative cities in Canada. Meanwhile, 40 people enjoyed reading by Tiffany and protesters cheered them on. Which is great. But here's the thing. And this is the first time. I don't know why this is the first time that it occurred to me. But it's really the first time that this occurred to me. Because you have 
kids who are being brought to libraries by their parents who are having drag story time. Drag story time is not new. It's been around for a long, long time. We did a, we did a, we've done two now conversations um, with the drag king who has done drag story time for years and continue to do it online through the pandemic because there were a lot of parents and kids who wanted to see that. Now, if you're somebody who doesn't like drag kings and queens, okay, I guess that's your choice. But the fundamental question that I, I stumbled upon earlier this week was if you're somebody who believes in freedom, if you're somebody who believes that people should be able to, to do what they want, who are any of these people to say to the parents that are bringing their kids to these events that they're doing anything wrong? These parents are making decisions about how to raise their children. And it's absolutely stunning when you frame it in that light that anybody would take time out of their day to protest, to say, I think you're being a bad parent and making bad choices with your freedom so much so I'm going to show up and yell at you. It's really simple. If you don't want to go to drag story time, don't go to drag story time. If you don't want your kids to go to drag story time, I think probably being a little bit paranoid, but don't take your kids to drag, drag story time. But if somebody does, it's none of your business. Period. Let's get into it, though. It's been a, a couple of days. We're going to try to do this as a recap because it has moved so fast over the last little while. So let's break it down. But before we do, Let's just take a second to remember something really important. What we're about to talk about tonight in regards to Daniel Smith and the messing with prosecutions. This didn't start because of anyone other than Danielle Smith. Be willing to consider a, um, if I could rephrase Ryan's question, a sort of a pardon program to have, have, people reimburse for these charges and their legal costs and this kind of thing? I love the sounds of that. There's there's sort of two categories, though. There there are instances that rose to a level of uh, criminal prosecution, and I, I, I have to let that process play out. I think it would be inappropriate for me to step in if there's a criminal prosecution. Mm -hmm. In the case of firearms, for instance, or if there was an assault, that those kind of processes have to play uh, out. Yeah, yeah. But the when it comes to fines for a pastor, I mean, I have to tell you, the criminal code gives protection for pastors. You are not allowed to interrupt a, a sermon. That's how how seriously we take the um, the, the role of our, our men and women who, who who wear the cloth. And so, I I think that there was an error made in that regard. I'm trying to figure out where that lies. I don't think it lies in the justice department. I think that lies in the health department. And so there was a whole crew of enforcement officers led by teams of AHS inspectors. And I will, I will, as soon as I can find out the status of those, my intention would be to, would be to, to deliver a blanket amnesty. That was inappropriate political decisions that led to that, um, that uh, inappropriate enforcement. And so it seems to me it's a political decision to say, we made a mistake, we're sorry, won't happen again. That was Daniel Smith right before taking office. Let's listen to Daniel Smith right before Chris. Uh... I, I put it to the prosecutors and um, I've asked them to do a review of the cases with those two things in mind. 
Daniel Smith also had stood up at a press conference just a couple of weeks ago where she said she had put it to the prosecutors, do reviews. I want you to look at these things. Do they meet the public interest? Do Is there a reasonable chance of conviction? Can I tell you how to do your jobs at the most basic fundamental level, even though that goes against pretty much every standard for how these things are supposed to work? This came about because Danielle Smith made a big deal out of the fact that she was trying to influence prosecutors. She was trying to influence the decisions that Crown prosecutors were making in regards to whether or not they were going to prosecute cases, period. Now, of course, Daniel Smith has since said she's spoken imprecisely. Do with that what you will. But at the end of the day, it's critically important to remember Miss Smith did this to herself. Miss Smith claimed she was talking to Crown prosecutors. She claimed that she was going to give amnesty. Period. She admitted it herself. Now, after everybody said, wait, that's kind of really bad, illegal and corrosive to the foundations of our society. Then she said, oh, no, wait, I misspoke. I was being imprecise. But it's really important to remember. Danielle Smith said she did these things. Period. Well. On Thursday, January 19th, a story from the CBC by Megan Grant and Elise Von Schiel, who, and I said this on the last episode, I'm going to say it again, are two of the best political journalists that we have in the province of Alberta. They do amazing, amazing work. These two journalists don't mess around. Really important to keep that in mind. Story broke detailing how a staffer in the Alberta Premier Daniel Smith's office sent a series of emails to Alberta Crown Prosecution Service challenging prosecutors' assessment and direction on cases stemming from the Coots border blockades and protests. Quote from the story, this is so improper on so many levels, it's pure interference with Crown independence. That's one source with knowledge of the correspondence. So this story lit off a huge firestorm for a couple of different reasons. First reason was, obviously, this would be a huge overreach. Because as we've said before, nobody wants their government deciding who is going to get prosecuted and more importantly, who isn't. Because that's not the role of elected officials. That's the role of the judiciary. That's the role of the crown prosecutors. It's not the role of somebody who has no experience in law. Really important to highlight that. Nobody should want that, regardless of where you are in the political spectrum. Well, took a day, but on Friday, Daniel Smith came out and said, oh, no, guys, that never happened. I, I, I promise that was, that's, that's, that, I would never do that. Everybody knows you can't do that. Denied it, denied it, denied it, denied it. Saturday. This is where things really started to get interesting. There's going to be an emergency caucus meeting on a Saturday at four o'clock. Now, this is unusual for a whole bunch of different reasons. The biggest one probably is it's a weekend. A lot of MLAs are out and about doing their own thing. There's a lot of events scheduled. Why is there an emergency caucus meeting on a Saturday at four o'clock? Well, that caucus meeting reportedly went for about an hour, and it was Daniel Smith saying, ah, guys, you know what, reportedly, allegedly, throwing in all the caveats, uh, you know, there's nothing to worry about here, nothing to see here. It's just the CBC, CBCing, let's just, uh, let's just, just wait, let's let, let's let it go. And on Sunday, we saw a bunch of UCP MLAs 
sorry, Saturday, we also saw Daniel Smith on a radio show. She reiterated, of course, no, that would be terrible if anybody from her office tried to influence the Crown prosecutors. Uh, independence, that, that would be bad. It's a no-go zone. Well, on Sunday, after the caucus meeting was over, we saw a bunch of UCP MLAs say, you know what? Nothing burger. It's great. Everything's fantastic. Brian Jean, Rick McIver, and Jason Luan all very loudly at uh, an event in Calgary expressed support for Daniel Smith. Gene uh, said he believes that Smith has the support of UCP MLAs. I haven't heard anybody say anything different. He said, she has my support. She is the duly elected leader of our party, and she's the premier of the province, and I think she's doing a great job. Last episode, we did also observe that Brian Jean, the day before amendments to the Sovereignty Act were introduced, said, Sovereignty Act's great. I think it's, I think it's a, a fantastic act. It's the best act. I think it's doing a great job. So maybe Brian Jean's ability to read the room is uh, up for a little bit of uh, scrutiny, let's say. But Jean wasn't the only one. Uh, Calgary, Hales, Calgary Hayes MLA Rick McIver said Premier Smith has the support of caucus. The quote is caucus is questioning a media outlet that brought forward something forward with no evidence at all. If evidence appears, we will have to consider that. But at this time, there has been no evidence presented. Now, again, there's a lot going on with that statement. Because first of all, Everybody who's in these caucus knows who these two reporters are. They know these two reporters don't mess around. They know these two, these two reporters wouldn't come to the table unless they had something to serve up. Period. But Rick McIver is instead saying, uh, you know what? Where there's smoke, I don't know. Maybe there's candles or uh, a small hamster running very, very quickly. There's lots of things that could cause smoke. Why should we investigate the smoke? It's not like we have a province to run or anything. I'm sure it's fine. Well, as the weekend was going on, Daniel Smith had also announced that she was going to be conducting, having the, the independent public service conduct a search of emails. And there's some problems with the search, obviously, as well. Because first of all, she said she was going to check all the emails all the way back. All the way back. And it was going to take two days. <laughs> Which is, like, at best, a cursory Google search for keywords. It's not a uh, in-depth, thorough, uh, complete search by any stretch of the imagination. Um there were some other problems with it as well. She was happy to say on Monday and release a statement saying, Hey, we looked, we didn't find anything in the emails that we looked at using oblique terms that may or may not have been complete and or incomplete. Uh, and it turns out that incomplete is actually a much more uh, accurate description because it's since come out that they could only search emails that had been deleted in the last 30 days, which takes us all the way back to December 22nd, when reportedly, allegedly, most of these exchanges took place in October. So if anyone had deleted these emails, they're gone. This also operates under the assumption that all of the correspondence took place using established government pathways. So the staffer, whoever it was, emailed using their Alberta government email account to the Crown prosecutor using their government email account. And that's how these exchanges happened. And then nobody deleted them. 
there's some problems with that because we know for a fact that it's been a policy within the UCP government and many other governments as a few other ex-cabinet ministers and MLAs have come forward and said to avoid using official government channels when you know that you're in sketchy waters. In fact, there was a story that was published by the TAI not very long ago where they established that there's protocols for records management inside the UCP government where people were using programs and apps deliberately outside the sphere of influence to make sure that that information couldn't get tracked and it couldn't get foiled. So now all of a sudden that Daniel Smith is in office, everybody defaults from all of those behaviors of the last three plus years. And all of a sudden is playing by the book entirely, especially when they're dealing with matters of trying to influence the Crown Prosecutor's Office. It defies reason. But even more to the point, we got a phone call from somebody who represents public service workers today, and they were talking about the Public Service Investigation Office because they deal with those investigations all the time. Now, they've requested anonymity. Obviously, we're going to protect that. But their first reaction when they heard who was conducting the investigation and the length of time was to apparently burst out into laughter. Because when a single government employee, just one, is put under investigation. What they told us is that government employee is often put on leave for three to six months because that's how long a thorough investigation takes. But when it comes to investigating how seriously or whether or not the judicial system and the prosecutorial system was potentially corrupted influenced attempted to be influenced by daniel smith and or her staff two days it defies all reason and especially given the fact that we know now it only could possibly go back to the 22nd if the emails were deleted and it didn't look at anything other than government emails so if you texted timmy from your phone that wouldn't show up in the search. If you're on WhatsApp, that wouldn't show up in the search. You send him a Facebook message, that wouldn't show up in the search. There are so many ways for people to have reached out and tried to communicate that were simply ignored by the Smith government before she decided that the most appropriate thing to do was declare, that's ah, fine, guys, nothing seen here. And then the province pretty much held its collective breath because everybody knew something was coming. And sure enough, today, something did. Because there was another news story that was put out by CBC. And there's some interesting things that are really important to note about this story. One of the first ones has to be we have another reporter who's added their name to the things and the stuff. Now, this gets to be really, really important because if there was nothing going on, if it was all based on rumors and hearsay, one would expect that reporters would be like, um, good luck with that. I'm going to hang out over here and write about cheese. But no, we see that Janet French has been added to the byline with Elise Von Scheel and Megan Grant. Janet French is another incredible incredibly well-respected, well 
known political reporter in the province of Alberta who has broken some incredible stories. There's no way Janet French signs up to be a part of this if she doesn't know it's more than just a candle that's causing all the smoke. There's something real here. And the story demonstrates that, in fact, there's some, there's some more depth to this thing. And, of course, it involves some of the cast and characters that you would expect it to involve with something of this nature, I'll say cautiously. Um, because one of the things that came out in the story is that Daniel Smith, very, very early on, had conversations and, according to some interpretations, got legal advice from none other than Rebel Commander <laughs> Ezra Levant, who briefed Daniel Smith and uh, her chief of staff, Marshall Smith, no relation, um, in regards to what uh, what he believed could be done in regards to the, the COVID situation. Um, I'm going to read some quotes here. So exchanges between the Premier's office and Justice Minister Tyler Shander's office over several months included what sources characterized as attempts to influence cases. I would classify it as inappropriate, one cl source close to the situation said. CBC News has agreed not to name them because of potential professional repercussions. Now, it's important to realize that when we're talking about some of the people who are potentially involved in these legal situations, they do have legal obligations that are extremely hard to navigate. So it's understandable how some people who maybe have confidentiality, non-disclosure agreements, all of those sorts of things, they may not legally be able to speak without serious consequences. Smith would ask for updates on cases or inquire whether it would be possible to abandon them, they said. This specifically included the prosecution of Arthur Pulowski, a, a pastor charged with two, two counts of criminal mischief and charged under Alberta's Critical Infrastructure Defense Act related to the Coots border blockade. Another source with knowledge of the situation confirmed Smith committed to taking that case to Shandro with the intent of making the charges going away. So Smith allegedly is promising she's going to make the charges go away. That Arthur, he, he seems like a nice guy when he's not being not a nice guy, I guess. I should have loaded that video for tonight. Um, <laughs> uh, another quote, while Premier Smith requested briefings and they were provided, at no point uh, was there any direction provided to the Attorney General by the Premier or her office. The Alberta Crown Prosecution Service acts independently and at no time has any political decision affected ongoing prosecutions. Ethan LeCavier Kidney, Minister's press secretary said in a statement. Now, this is another one where the wordage, the verbiage gets to be important. There was no direction provided. So there's a big difference between saying, hey, do you think it would be possible to make those charges go away and saying, make those charges go away? They're two very different things. One's a direction, one's a question. And when we're dealing with issues of pretty significant legal nuance and some conflicting messaging, at the very least coming from the premier's office, it's important to acknowledge that. The premier said she had no knowledge of the matters and launched an email search, which her office said yielded no evidence of email contact. But again, as we've established, it doesn't include any communications external to the government to government email, and it doesn't include any <laughs> emails that were deleted before December 22nd. 
there's a lot going on here. There's no getting around that. Now, Daniel Smith has put up her own little response that anybody who values democracy or recognizes that a functional cornerstone of democracy is a well-informed electorate should be deeply, deeply alarmed by. Last week, the CBC published a defamatory article containing baseless allegations that the premier's office staff had sent a series of emails to Alberta Crown prosecutors concerning charges related to the Coots protest and other pandemic related matters before the courts. The CBC admitted that it had not seen any of the emails. The article was then used and editorialized by the official opposition to smear the reputations of the premier, her office staff, Alberta Crown prosecutors and the Alberta Public Service. The premier calls on the CBC to retract its outrageous story and further that the CBC and the official opposition apologize to the premier, premier's office, staff, Alberta Crown prosecutors and those in the Alberta Public Service for the damage caused to their reputations and that of Alberta's justice system. The premier publicly campaigned for several months on exploring ways to grant legal amnesty for individuals charged with nonviolent, non-firearms pandemic related violations. It's good she's at least acknowledging that. After taking office, the Premier and her staff had several discussions with the Minister of Justice and Ministry officials requesting an explanation of what policy options were available for this purpose. After receiving a detailed legal opinion from the Minister uh, to not proceed with pursuing options for granting amnesty, the Premier followed that legal advice. All communications between the Premier and her staff, the Minister of Justice and Ministry of Justice, public officials have been appropriate and made through the proper channels. The CBC's allegations and insinuations to the contrary are again baseless. But there's some real problems in that statement. The biggest one has to be how she decided to deliver it. Because she released it in a tweet where she said, to the CBC and Rachel Notley, enough is enough. My full statement is below. The implication is clearly that the CBC and the official opposition under Rachel Notley are working together. This statement is designed not only to undermine the CBC as an independent independent journalistic body, which they are, but it's also designed to weaponize the whole situation and create some sort of conspiracy theory, almost as if there's a certain segment of her base that would go for exactly that, to politicize it. Let's be clear. When Danielle Smith says that the CBC and the official opposition should apologize to the premier, premier's office staff, Alberta Crown prosecutors, and those in the Alberta public system for the damage caused to their reputation and that of Alberta's justice system, that damage was not wrought by CBC. If there's any truth to the story that CBC has published and the fact that they've published multiple stories with multiple journalists who have some of the best reputations in the industry certainly lends credence to the possibility that there is truth to that. If there is any truth to it, it's Danielle Smith who has damaged their reputations. And even if there isn't, the fact that Danielle Smith has at her fingertips, the ability to launch a proper independent investigation like we saw when Casey Madhu was accused and then, oh, right, found to have attempted to interfere in the administration of justice. 
They have the ability to do that. Danielle Smith can make that happen right now. The fact that she chooses not to, the fact that she chooses to put forward what is, quite frankly, by most reasonable assessments, a half-assed, at best, cover-up investigation is what has caused the damage to these organizations and their reputation. If Danielle Smith wasn't putting herself first and her own interests first, one can speculate she would do exactly that. She would say, you know what? There's nothing here. You guys, you guys want to do this? Sure. We'll do it. I'm going to get the best independent investigator. They're going to turn over every single rock. I'm going to make sure they are resourced for days. I'm going to give them some of Preston Manning's money. That's how important this is. She could do that if she wanted to. She's not doing it. Let's be super clear here before we bring in Sarah Biggs to, to be the, the rational voice. Danielle Smith. Oh, no, sorry. Before we do, there's one more thing. Because uh, the cherry on top is, of course, the meeting that she had with the rebel commander, Ezra Levant. And there's a letter that the CBC had that Ezra Levant confirmed he'd written to Danielle Smith. Gosh, it's almost as if the CBC does have some actual evidence going on. Ezra Levant released that letter on his, his website. But there's one particular line in that letter that maybe goes towards the quality of advice that Danielle Smith was getting. The premier can, should you choose to direct the attorney general to review and withdraw or discontinue any cases arising from the CMOH orders under the Public Health Act, criminal charges being prosecuted by the Alberta Crown Prosecutor Service, charges under the Critical Infrastructure Defense Act. Wait, what was Arthur charged under again? Or any pending charges or applications stemming from alleged breaches of the court's orders to refrain from public gatherings or otherwise. Ezra Levant straight up told Danielle Smith she could tell the attorney general she could order him to withdraw or discontinue any cases. Later on in the conversation that Danielle Smith had with uh, Ezra Levant, she said she was checking in with the Crown Prosecutor's office often. Let's take a sec to just remember when it comes to Danielle Smith's ability to, uh, to, to suss out the accuracy of information that she's presented with, how'd she do with that? BS detector evolved over time. Uh, I tend to be pretty trusting. So Danielle Smith tends to be pretty trusting. Her old friend, Ezra Levant, told her, hey, you can totally do this thing. CBC says, Ezra Levant told her, hey, you can totally do this thing. Allegedly, she then tried to do the thing, whether directly or through a staffer. We don't know because we don't have a proper investigation. We don't have an independent investigation. And here we are. But here's the thing at the end of the day. Danielle Smith campaigned by her own admission in her new statement 
Premier publicly campaigned for seven months on exploring ways to grant legal amnesty for individuals charged with nonviolent, non-firearms, pandemic-related violations. Daniel Smith campaigned on using the power of the Premier's office to influence the application of justice, period. She admits that in her own statement today. She openly admitted on multiple occasions that she was told early on that she had only one avenue to discuss criminal prosecutions. And that was through the attorney general. That was at the beginning of her time in office. And we have her only a couple of weeks ago saying exactly the opposite of that on multiple occasions. We have her saying that she did talk to the crown prosecutor's author. Here's the bottom line. Alberta is supposed to be, we have this idea that we're supposed to be this beacon of hope and freedom. And we tell ourselves that's why so many Canadians want to move here. We tell ourselves that's why we're building this robust immigration policy, because there's so many new Canadians who want to move not only to Canada, but to Alberta specifically. And a big part of the reason that a lot of the people who are moving to Alberta from some of these other places in the world is because they're trying to get away with corrupt governments who abuse their power and abuse their authority to their own benefit. And that appears to be in the absence of any investigation, any independent investigation, any thorough investigation, the exact same road that Daniel Smith wants to bring to Alberta. That's the road she wants to take us down. She wants to take us down a road that has caused people in countries like Russia or the Ukraine or the Philippines to flee their home country for a better life in a place where there is an independent judiciary and there is an independent prosecutor service and they know that they're going to be treated fairly. Not only are we facing the very real possibility that Daniel Smith is trying to move Alberta in the direction away from that, but at the very least, we can say, as of this recording, she is not doing anything other than denial, weaponized politics, and blame to assure people that she's not doing it. She's not doing the independent investigation. She's not being transparent. We already know Daniel Smith lies. We need to really be paying attention about where it is that Danielle Smith is trying to take the province. And secondary to that, as we talked about on our last episode with Sarah Biggs, I'm about to bring in in just a second. Any elected official who doesn't move heaven and earth to protect our institutions and to protect our democracy absolutely needs to hear from you. They absolutely need to be held from held to account. Because we are well through the looking glass at this point, and we have a premier who has admitted to doing these things. We have a premier who we know lies, and we have a premier who rather than taking responsibility and showing up for Albertans is instead laying blame 
everywhere she can and refusing to do a competent investigation. And with that, Sarah Biggs, what's going on tonight? Hey. I got a little ranty there. You did. A little, I'm a little angry. I'm ready to go to bed. I'm ready to go to bed. How's it going? Oh, you know, I took a couple of mental mental health days. So again, um, I wanna I wanna just take a second to put uh, all of the blame for the the province's current situation on Sarah Biggs because it was this morning that she texted me before the CBC story dropped and she was like, "Ah, it's gonna be a boring show tonight." <laughs> and I it was what boring. last week that you said on the Wednesday, the day before up. the first story, you were like, "I think something's gonna drop tomorrow." So I'm just saying, I hold you fully responsible for all of this. Sometimes I do know things that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Uh, what do you make of all this, Sarah Biggs? We saw the story from CBC came out tonight. It had some bombshells. Ezra Levant actually confirmed that the 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 email, the letter <laughs> existed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he posted it on his own website. <laughs> Sorry. I can't. I can't even anymore. It's just... After he advised the pre of Alberta that she could direct the attorney general to just not do charges and stuff. Um, did, he re- did he register it as a lobbyist? <laughs> I, I honestly... I, I have I, questions. I have, I have questions. <laughs> enough, but that's, that's where we are. Um, so oh, Ezra Levant sorry, is now I laugh. The, it's not the center of this controversy. Um <laughs> So here's here's my first question. Let's start let's let's start from from a little bit far back and work our way in. Let's say that you get a phone call from I don't know a UCP MLA tonight after yeah. after the show's done, and they say, "Could yeah. you get Nate to shut up?" And then they say, "I need to know what to do here, Sarah. What do you what do you yeah. recommend that I do? This thing is popping off. Daniel Smith told us on Saturday it was nothing, and now all of a sudden there's a whole lot of something. And Ezra's angry. Nobody likes an angry Ezra. What do we do? Oh, I don't know. Ezra blocked me years ago because I don't know why. Um, what would I say? It's, uh, you know, the and again, it comes back to where are the moderates? Where are the moderates? I feel like I need to light up my emergency candle here. <laughs> if, you need to light, um, if you need to light the emergency candle, you go ahead and light the emergency candle. I need candle. to find my zen because all I've been finding is like a stomach virus, which was swell, thanks to my kids. Um, no, if I was, you know, the moderates and the people who are seeing that this doesn't fly and this, like, at the end of the day, what I've been trying to explain to a lot of people is that I'm going to burn myself. Sorry. Is that... That's actually a, 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 bit of, a bit of an appropriate metaphor given Smith's current situation, but... <laughs> I'll, I'll say a prayer. Um... No, so what we need to think about, I don't like those AirPods. I really don't. They keep popping out my ears. Um, So like we've been saying before, where are the moderates? What are the moderates doing? Like, where are they? We we get some information about caucus. We kind of know what's going on in the background. You know, they're trying to put a good, there's a lot of things in the background happening right now. But, you know, and like I tried to explain to a lot of people, there's no way the CBC would have come up with that history, 
with that story. Before going to the editor, the lawyers, top of the totem pole, back to the lawyers, top of the totem pole, blah, 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 blah. So, and, um, you know, if, if, if I was a member of that caucus right now, I'd arrange, try to make sure that Ms. Smith would not be a leader anymore, delete the election by two or three months and try to put the party back together. Because at the end of the day, it's easier to recruit moderates and progressive than recruiting, you know, people. Fair enough. Okay, so you're, you're, you're arguing uh, for a return to sanity. I am arguing for a return to sanity because this could be somewhat a little bit of a breaking point into our, you know, political spectrum. Uh, you know, that... that uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm not ready to call Shingetson a moderate yet, but <laughs> if it keeps going, we're going to end up I don't, want to go, I don't want to go so far that we get to... Yeah, but Nate, this is what's going and... to happen if nothing happens. That's the thing. Like, Ezra, all jolly to the CBC because, you know, CBC bad. Oh, yeah! I wrote this. Here's a full letter, guys. Face yourself. And then the Globe and Mail wrote an interesting piece today that I actually sent to you. I think I was just starting the show uh, and I didn't get a chance to look at it. Yeah, reviewing to the into Premier Daniel Smith staff emails would not have captured messages deleted more than thirty days prior. There we go. Yeah, we talked about that. And we're talking about Carrie Tate here, and Carrie is damn solid. Like I do not question Carrie Tate one minute. Um, we got a problem, guys. Like it's either they're gonna let it slide and they. But can they let it slide, though? That's the thing. It's getting a little dangerous here. We're talking about, you know, systems that are supposed to be arm's length from an elected official. Well, it's elected official. Someone who won with 44,000 votes on the sixth round. Elected. Who became premier, and that's that's how our system works, and that's fine. But for someone to allegedly try to get so much traction and power and influence the due process and try to demonize um, the journalists that are doing their work. We need, we need more Elise Von Shield. We need more maids. Oh, yeah, we, we need more carries. Yeah. Like, no question. And that's what I, we were talking about that like a couple of weeks ago. We need those journalists um, out there to keep the government accountable because it is so hard right now to keep everybody accountable and there's so much going on they could throw us. you remember when, when when jason was was you know still there and we're like oh jason threw another squirrel today because they're trying to distracting us from something else that was happening but you know i i, I miss jason some days um it was a little less complicated but at least he, he, you know, kind of believed in COVID and vaccination. But you know, the I'll, thing is I'll that say this are... about Mr. Kenny. Uh, as much as I'm not in any way a fan, yeah. at least he had boundaries. Like there were some places that, that Jason Kenny simply would not go. And as much as he no. found ways to exploit the system and as much as he took pride in, in doing the things he did... I don't think that he was going – Jason Kenney was not going to be the guy to light things on fire in the way that Daniel Smith has. Yeah, and, you know, we need to protect our journalists right now. We need to protect our, um, 
you know, justice system or democratic systems. Um, it's, I don't think we have seen anything in the light. A lot of people were making, um, you know, a lot of people are making the analogy with SNC, but we can't even make SNC Lavalin is nothing to compare to what yeah. we're seeing now. Like we can't even make it's it's like comparing a two dollar and a quarter right now. It's like sorry because I'm fiddling with that in my hands. We can't even we can't even compare both. This is unprecedented. There is no precedent to that. No precedent. Like well, there are Stelmack, Redford. Not in Alberta. Climb but there are went down for less. Yeah, no, I'm talking about you know our little world here, or AB Ledge, AB Poly, our little little planet here. But you know, uh, Redford went down for the Sky Palace. Uh, Stella Mac went down for what? Why did he go down for? I think Don't he was remember. just uh, sauce. It was you know nothing. Klein went because he went and it was Klein you know it has to come to an end but if we've never seen anything like that ever uh, the, never 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 and you, you know I'm deeply deeply concerned that someone at some point might get hurt and yep. you know those journalists are doing the work that they need to do. They are there to do a job. Um, they are working extremely hard. They would have not put their names behind that story. You know, you wouldn't have seen Marcus off pumping it, retweeting it, and, you know, stand behind that story because he is the editor. Um, if they didn't have any more links. And I think that they still have a few more cards in their back pocket. And it's going to be a very, very low, slow, painful reveal. See, this is the thing. I mean, we think about we Low talk about slow. Nixon and Watergate. And when this is why I personally believe, like, don't mess with journalists, man, because when they come, they bring receipts. And we saw with Watergate, that was a slow burn over the course of like a year. And it was that slow burn that caused so many other things to come to light. Watergate wasn't an overnight thing. It was most of these major political milestones in history they exist because rather than somebody go oh damn i'm caught they tried to double down and double down and double down and double down and it just and that's what we see today like the letter today was pretty much a threat to sue it's a warning it's it's a heads up i would love it's to see the discovery on that like i said tonight Word of the day, discovery. Because, you know, if this goes to court, it's not good. Can you imagine the optics of the premier of Alberta, who we know for a fact, and the journalists are taking care of that story, know for a fact that she is in the wrong, and the unconventional media are like, oh, yeah, we did this, we did that. Oh, yeah, you know, as Rakuten himself to the CBC and just, like, jumping the bandwagon. Well, that's the if kicker to me. We're taking journalists. Like if if you're yeah. going to say, hey, I don't think that journalists should be in bed with political parties. Getting legal advice from the rebel commander of rebel news inside the legislature. Like 
you have jumped the damn shark on that one. <laughs> you don't get to if, claim. If someone, <laughs> if someone can do me a favor, I don't know. We have a few, uh, you know, a few pe- people here that knows how it works. Can someone check out for me if uh, Mr. Levent was registered as a lobbyist, please? Just say. There we go. I got. I got to bring up another interesting point because we just got another little DM over here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to read the the tweet. Uh, Betting Archer's lawyer is going to demand the emails on his case for disclosure. So doesn't that just turn into a spicy little meatball? Because now that we know that Ezra Levant was involved in this email to Smith, and as per the CBC conversation, and he fundraised that. He fundraised some money for Pavlovsky too. We can't, we cannot forget that he led the charge on the fundraising for legal fund for Pavlovsky and himself. Ziad, get back to you already. He's already checking either Levanta the Rebel or in the Alberta Regist- lobby- lobbyist registry. So there you go. Not a lobbyist. They, they are. They're not. Not a lobbyist. Okay. Thank you. So, there's that. But it could have some. Uh, there's a lot of cases before the courts right now, and. There's a lot of interesting questions that could exist in regards to how is this going to affect the discovery process? And I'm not a lawyer. If we've got any lawyers who are on the Twitter spaces who would like to I'm maybe not a lawyer. weigh in on that, I'm, I'm, I'm a hack, not a journalist, again, saying that. For this is it where we're at right now where equal chambers and ideology will drag someone down to the courts? Because, you know, free speech doesn't work only one way. Free speech go, goes both ways. You want to say something? Well, you know, the journalists, when they have something solid, when they believe in their story, and when every, everybody up the totem pole has cleared the story, because, of course, CBC is not going to tell us the details of what's going on in the background. They're not going to tell us what they have. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to show their cards. And free speech, am I right? Like it's it's really bothering me because they now the government is using taxpayers' money to go after journalists. So it is so entrenched in ideology right now that it is again, once again, at the feet of all burdens and the taxpayer base. Why? Just, because the cold chamber and the tinfoil app is way too high right now. I just keep going back exactly. to any time a government demonizes a free press, we got questions to ask because Look at uh, Trump. Well, there's one example there, but I mean, I find it um, challenging as I choose my words carefully here. Uh, I find it challenging to hear Daniel Smith talk about the the importance of, you know what? I'm going to do it to hell with it. Um, I find it really challenging to accept Daniel Smith talking about the importance of an arm's length media and media that isn't bought and paid for when we have media organizations operating in Alberta that have direct ties to her, that have direct ties to her time in office, that have the, the overlap and the shadiness of some of these media groups who pretend to be authentic journalists when they are nothing more than a propaganda arm at best for Daniel Smith to be going after the CBC when there's organizations that are running multiple 
organizations out of post office boxes. Yes, I said I was going there. Sarah knows what's coming later this week. (laughs) Yeah, sweet 485. You have to take the elevator. Um, That joke will get funnier in about five days. Uh, (laughs) But there's a real problem there because it's so disingenuous and it's so dishonest. And it is mind-numbing to me to watch people say, ah, the CBC, they're state-funded. Well, at least they're not state-organized, state-sponsored, and state-dictated to. Not saying, just saying. That really made me angry when she put out that little attack on the CBC today. (laughs) Have you noticed, I don't know if people, so I had to block my Twitter account for a few days because things were getting a little interesting. Today I removed my my lock, but what, what's fascinating is that have you seen the bots on the premier's office likes? Go look at the premier's tweet. Scroll through the likes and the retweets. I would say it's sixty percent bots. The bots are out today. As soon as she released her statement, Rob Anderson's tweet never gets more than twenty thirty likes, and that's it. I can I think he's over at like 400 or something right now. The bots are out. Well, and bought, bought and paid for. No pun. Well, pun intended. I'll I'll take the pun on that one. Yeah, but it, people don't realize like, that. Jesus Christ! People don't realize that it's you can like actually pay yeah. for likes. You can pay yeah. for social media amplification, and we know that the UCP government under Jason Kenney was looking at ways to do exactly that. They were weaponizing mm-hmm. social media. So the yeah. the notion that that the the majority of the the likes on or or retweets or 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 on a lot of these government accounts are legitimate is certainly questionable, if not upright laughable. Not saying just saying. I just don't know what to think anymore, Nate. It's like I, I've been talking to a lot of people in the background right now and I'm it's frustrating it is really 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 frustrating to see that that's where we're at in 2023 that's that's where we're at and we're just going to be settling for it i don't buy it there's something going on in the background man i don't buy it for a second well, here's my next question for you, it's, and I'm gonna I'm gonna open up the the Twitter Spaces because last last time somebody did come in, and it was very exciting because my fancy setup over here worked and it made me happy. Uh, so, if anybody wants to to share some thoughts on the Twitter Spaces, go ahead and click the microphone on the bottom left hand corner of your mobile device. Um, but here's my 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 question for you. This is perhaps the most important question I'm gonna ask you tonight, Sir Biggs. In your professional opinion, watching the coverage of Tyler Shander's Law Society hearing. Did he cry or didn't he? I think there were strong emotions. <laughs> You're so diplomatic. I love it. That's why I do what I do. Uh, see, you know, the, the funny thing to me about the, the whole Law Society testimony with... Oh, the, God. When, when Charles Russell had to weigh in and be like, hey, everybody's saying that, that Ziad Faisal... Uh, uh, no, wrong guy. Sorry, uh, the doctor, Doctor Zaidi, yes, Doctor Zaidi, Zaidi. 
when everybody's saying they were trying to say that Dr. Zadie had he was he was reached out to the CBC and he was he was out for blood and he was out to to destroy Tyler Shandra. And we had Charles Russell say, <sighs> no, nah, man, I had to spend like 45 minutes on the phone talking that guy into saying something after somebody had given me the tip that this whole thing had happened. He didn't reach out to me. But it's just fascinating to, to watch to, to plain power who's in yeah. the comments right here. We don't know if Tyler cried at the hearing. Uh, we, we were relying on the live tweets from journalists. What 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 the debate was, was whether or not Tyler cried when he showed up at the physician's driveway and Everybody's yelled at him. Everybody has feelings. I cried. I cried two nights ago. Here's, here's I, what I don't get. If he did cry, who cares? Like why is Nobody that? Nobody gives the, a the, shit. It doesn't matter. <laughs> why is, is that, that the your man going to be affected? Why, why is that the like, point of contention? I don't get it. Like Jesus Christ! Like it's, it, it's because they want it to be a point of contention. You know why? I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna bet why. Mm. It's not metal to cry. You're welcome. <laughs> when I got sent that picture, I think it was on Sunday. I was just like, uh, what am I looking at right here? It was, that was wild. Has anyone, has anyone bought their copy of 1984 yet? Because I think we should be rereading that book again. Just, yep. you know. It would help, it would help uh, people track these comments. Yeah, and I have not sweared today yet. You haven't. And there were, you know, there were a lot of people no. who were like, oh, Sarah's going to fill the jar tonight, man. And apparently, no, well, Sarah is, uh, is, is, is not. Fuck around and find out. There we go. There's one. People are <laughs> offering tomorrow to oh, match whatever you put into the swear jar, by the way. So, did they? Sweet. Oh. Well, we're at about um, 50, 55 bucks. Right? There we go. I got to give a 50, shout out to Bernie X for the, for the Kurt Vonnegut reference because I got like a bookshelf full of Kurt Vonnegut. I don't look at the comments because I'm not allowed to. Which is good because you get horribly distracted and then you get angry. And I do. The, the swear I, have, uh, I don't have ADHD, but I mean, I don't know. Sir Biggs, I want to get your thought on a couple of the other things that we talked about at the top of the show. Mm -hmm. if you don't want your kids going to drag story time is yeah. it the easiest solution to not take your kids to drag story time I mean yeah. am I missing take something take them to here? Chuck E. Cheese and said if you want to whoa whoa people, people dressed up as mice oh. What kind of gateway rats, is that? Rats, <laughs> rats, sewer uh, rats. No, I'm not associating Chuck E. Cheese with sewer rats. Oh, fuck those people. Like, seriously. That's too. Like, what happened of be, be and let be? Like, you know, before, if you wanted to do something, nobody cared. You just do it, right? It's like grandpa's being told, no, he can't, you know, dig a pond there, but he does anyway because he's 94 and doesn't give a shit about it, about anything because. He's 94. Like, be and let be. Isn't that in the Bible or something? Someone can tell me because I, I don't know. I, I don't know. 
But, you know, just, just let people be. Let people live their lives. What happened about freedom of living and freedom of expression and all that beautiful freedom? Again, freedom of speech and of being is not only one way. It's to them only when it fits the damn narrative. And I'm so sick of it. Like, let's be inclusive. Let's embrace everybody. Let's just be normal, shall we? Like, you know why there was no, you know, homosexuality was repressed and illegal 50 years, 60 years ago. You could be sent to jail. It was not that long ago. Fine, I'm going 40. Like, you know, it's not that long ago. But let people be. Let people live their lives. Like, do I yell at someone that has truck nuts at the back of their truck? No, it's disgusting. I have a little laugh, but I don't drag them anywhere. I don't make a goddamn protest in front of their house because they don't have taste. Do I get angry because I see fuck Trudeau stickers everywhere with upside down Canada flags? I don't go yell at them. Like, what the fuck is happening with those people? Like, everybody has lost, lost any rational thoughts. And that's what scares me because... It's not like I say all the time. It's not conservatism anymore. We are seeing a kind of Republican faux outrage at George Santos right now, Mister. I got two news replacement, invited, and invented Bitcoin, and you know I never dressed. And anyways, it's so complicated. <laughs> like he has a new story every day. That guy, for the God, he's got more imagination than my ten years old. But we are heading into what could be a very, very, very dark period of political discourse. Um, Let's look at, um, you know, what's happening, a lot of hate towards uh, the Jews, a lot of misogyny targeted to female journalists and commentators. Um, Homosexuals are being attacked. Um, There's more and more gun crimes. Like in the same state this week, there was three massive shootings in one state in two days. Like, what are we doing? Why are we allowing this? And that's what we need to ask ourselves as a civilization. I always said Facebook and pandemic didn't never made a real good mix. But I would have never, never expected society to turn that point. It's like, don't you want your kids to be good humans and tolerable and, you know, just love thy neighbor? thy neighbor not your heterosexual neighbor or only one fits my narrative and it's convenient here's my thing like i look at the picture uh that was that was posted of the drag story time event in grand prairie and it's it's a it's a dress the 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 person reading the story is is wearing a dress goes well past the knees um it, I, I think there's a, f- a frog in the story. I'm, I'm trying to get to who looks at th- this person dressed in this way with and goes, oh, that's about sex. Like, I just don't I don't I don't get it. Like there are because for sure risque people. drag shows. And I, I'm not I, that's that's a whole different thing. But when we're talking about the stuff yeah, that we're yeah. seeing in the libraries, it's not that. Why are we getting upset about Yeah, this? But what happens at Twisted Element stays at Twisted Element. What happens at a library? Those individuals are so not there. You know, we should be thankful that they are getting out there, putting themselves out there, being willing to teach 
And it's not converting kids. It's not being pedophiles. It's not trying to be incestuous. They're just individuals willing to go read stories to kids. Can we leave it at that for once and try stop trying to build a fucking fake narrative in the background that's going to hurt everybody? Somebody is going to get hurt at some point because of that bigotry. And we need to be mindful of that. I'm just, it's like, but hey, it's okay for us women when we go to meeting. Did you know that A, when you wear something that's a little bit more, you know, revealing, usually your lobbying efforts work a little better? You're, we're still there. And it's extremely unfortunate. It's, 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 equality, tolerance should not be a thing of convenience, people. It's society. That's it. There's no what if, buts, yeah, but, oh, for Trudeau. No, shut up. Walk the line. That's it. You can bitch about it in your living room. Don't threaten people. Just don't. Uh, sorry. I just I just go back to the, the the picture that I see posted on the on the Twitter, um, and I there's there's absolutely nothing. I don't know how anyone looks at that and finds anything sexual about that picture. I just don't. And Big it's hits. really unfortunate to me that that people Big would hits. take time out of their day to to go and try to turn it into something it's not. And it really makes me wonder, like, what, what kind of wide stance problems are are they having in life? It's just sad. It's just sad. Like. I'm sorry if you're miserable in your personal life and you got to take your grief and carry it on someone else's, make your problem someone else's. Like, we need to stop. We really need to stop acting like that. Like, this is not who we are. We're better than that. I already see a few people coming after me for what I'm going to say tonight because they just think that I'm a bigot. <clears throat> I hate Mike Morrison. But, um, you know, just let people, Jesus Christ, let people be, man. Those people are not talking for the majority of people. They're always the loud minority. It's like well, the convoy. It's you know like the, the anti-vaxxers. It's like, it's like the, the line that I had to cross on the hospital to get inducted, um, to get my induction done. Because I had to cross. We had to drive in. There were protests in front of the hospital on the day I was that to have, you know, my induction because that's a very, very relaxing environment to go and labor in. I I can't even anymore. They, they we need to up education. So the whole a lot of people need to be. Here's here's the thing I wanted to highlight about that story as well because I think it's important for context. Um, the uh, according to the Twitter thread, I want to make sure that I get this right. Um, the uh, one of the individuals who decided to take time out of their day to try to harass people who wanted to read to children mm-hmm. is also because of course it is the same individual goober I don't know what the word is uh, who, decided, uh, who decided to show up and harass the deputy prime minister when she flew into Grand Prairie same guy. Of course so I think of one of the other things that's did. important to find citizen right here, folks. Find one the, citizens. One of the things that's important to highlight with this is, you know, we see a lot of conversations about this stuff, but it is 
it's a small group that is trying to get traction by being horrid. And I think that one of the best things that the rest of us can do is to call it out for being horrid rather than just letting it go unimposed, but recognizing at the same time that the people that we're talking about are the same people who are treating everybody. The, 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 the Chris, Christian Freeland, um, they're, they're trying to inflict their will on other people because they're right. It's not about freedom. It's not about uh, protecting the kids. It's actually about oppression. They just don't want to call it that. There's nothing, nothing. They're selfish individuals. That's what I'm saying. They are selfish. They do. It's intent. You know, sometimes I say unintended or intended consequences. Those are intended consequences. This is fully willing and uh, voluntary. What's the, is it voluntary actions? Like, purposeful act like i don't know i'm i'm stuck on with my french brain today i'm running a little bit of a fever but you know what you should take true. for that we've got some tylenol in the province now <laughs> uh the children's oh can i do my experience about alberta children hospital on monday when i was there yeah for sure okay so uh as we know AHS had a province-wide problem because of an update. Um, you know, it's, um, I want to say a shout out to the nurses because they had, um, they had to do everything manual. All charting was manual. And, sorry, my husband's texting me. I'm doing something wrong with me. So, because he's watching right now, but you know, everything was in and out three hours. X-rays done, diagnostic done, everything was done. Thank you very much. And everybody kind of just pitched in together and made it work. And it did not impact, from what I can see, a crew notice did not impact or slow down the care that the kids were receiving. And I want to give them a big heads up, like a big for that. Uh, I didn't see any out of beta at all when I was in the hospital. Um, they were using another brand. It's almost as if they had some in stock. And that the 250,000 bottles were entirely performative because they forgot the children's proof caps. That's just one possibility. We're exploring possibilities here. It's what we do. But hey, <laughs> shit happens, right? There we go. Sir Biggs. It's okay. You can make mistakes when you pay for a premium. There you go. Well, um, I'm scared to ask. We know or we hear the rumors allegedly that there's a there's a there's some machinations happening in the background. Uh, I know that my phone has been ringing way too much from people that I don't normally hear from today. Um, I'm tired. I'm what, so fucking tired, Nate. Oh, the day it was just a day. I was like, I I, I started my day and I was like, oh, it's gonna be nice. We'll throw together a nice light show. I'm gonna get the stuff well, ready. For I was the... texting you. I was like, oh, it's gonna be quiet tonight. You know, we're Ruined gonna be everything. talk about something else. And again, once again, I'm sorry. I'm glad you're taking I'm responsibility. Sorry. That's an important step. But I think that you need to 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 just make some changes because enough already. <laughs> I, I don't have any control. I can't be tough to put up or shut up these days. So, you know, that's very pleasant. But um, uh, I think CBC is going to be releasing something on Friday. Or Monday. It's something else coming up. And, you know, um, 
development mail story today with Carrie Tate. Um, it's more, it's, there's more coming. Oh, I'm certain there is. There's way more coming. It's, I think that next few days will be critical and, you know, let's, um, let's wait and see. I'm going to be very much wait and see. Uh, it's, it's, I've never seen this intense. Never seen it. It's nuts. It's not normal. It's not usual. Nothing makes sense. I'm I'm trying to be the rational person in the room here. And I'm getting a little discouraged. Like, I really am. And Do you need me to play the video again for you? Please. Okay, here we go. This one's for you. BS detector evolved over time. Uh, I tend to be pretty trusting. <laughs> See, it makes everything better. It does. <laughs> um, so here's, I'm gonna do some, I'm gonna do some pluggage. I'm gonna do some, pl- actually, I'm gonna ask you for any final thoughts. And then pluggage? Oh, no, pluggage reminds me of, uh, you know what I'm talking about when they do that. In uh, medicine. Pluggage. No. No, 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 no. Geriatric care. Yes, yes you, you do. You, you don't know. Not in my scope of practice, about. man. Not in my scope of practice. But you heard about it and you've seen it. I, I have not, in fact. I, I'm very nimble at getting no? out of the room when needed. Oh, no. Oh, I my run. God. It was, it was funny because when I was in nursing school, just a funny story. When I was in nursing school, one of my friends from high school was going to med school. And he was like, well, how do you deal with that? And I'm the one who explained to him the process. And he was like, I was like, that's what he got that nurse doing that. There we go. Uh, I'm going to throw a quest out from Ziad, uh, who's in the the chat here. Uh, He is curious, with good reason, um, if anybody has seen any of the Adebe Tylenol and is it Tylenol? Is it just Tylenol or did you get the ibuprofen too? I don't even know. If you've seen any of the Dr. Oz brand pharmaceuticals. Uh, there we go. Uh, we'd love to, Ziad would love to know um, because he's been following this thing pretty closely. Um, in the meantime and in between time, I want to talk about what I did yesterday for a quick sec because uh, it's, it's, I'm pretty pleased with it. Um, we've been working on and been talking about for a while now how we're going to be doing some stories on some far right uh, media groups. And we went and had us, we, it's been a long time, like literally years uh, since the breakdown did a field piece. That's all going to change very soon because we were out and about yesterday working on our, our, our first field piece in a while. It's a boatload of fun. Um, and it's uh it's going to be coming for our Patreon sponsors. We've got some editing to do. Hopefully it'll be up by the end of the weekend. Um, and then it'll go public for everybody else later on next week. And uh, the other thing that I have to say is that, uh, as always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown, we would love nothing more than... There's a couple of different things you can do, actually. So the first one is you can always sign up to be one of our Patreon supporters at www.patreon.com the breakdown a b um little is five bucks a month and then what you get to do for that five bucks a month not only do you get early access to all of our interviews and all of uh our our, 
our extra things that we do. Occasionally we have giveaways and gifts and stuff like that, but you also can let your, uh, your MLA or your current premier know that you're supporting the breakdown and you got to know it's going to drive them nuts. Um, So you can tweet that out. You can put it on the Instagrams. If you're blocked by the Daniel Smith on the, on the Twitter, like three quarters of the province. Um, But uh, you know, there's lots of MLAs who I'm sure would love to hear how you're supporting the breakdown. And that's, it just feels really good for that five bucks a month. Every time. Just don't make my name. You can do that at www.patreon.com slash the breakdown AB. One of the other things that you can do as uh, is being mentioned in the comments is the, the liking and the subscribing. Uh, we, we would love that if you, if you liked and, and you subscribed um, that would be delightful. Um, and that's uh, I think that's pretty much it. I don't know what's going to happen in the next few days here. It's uh... <laughs> I've been yeah. hiding under my blankets all week. You know, there's a there there's a lady who does the the TikTok. She does the political TikToks. I I don't breakdowns. <gasps> oh, do. I love her with the purple hair. Yeah, and she did That's one. Michelle. Oh, I don't know if it's Michelle. I, I don't have the TikTok. Here. I um, let me find her. She's fantabulous. Yeah, and she did one a little while ago that I think summed up the zeitgeist of Alberta politics perfectly where she just repeatedly said every damn day. It's where we are. Sir Biggs, I want to thank you so much for coming on and filling up the swear jar. Yes, that's, that's, we should, um, yeah, I'm going to have to listen to all the episodes and we need a swear jar encounter. We should we should have a look. I I don't know. Maybe there's like a widget or something I can get, and I can just click the button, and every time there's a little a little coin that falls into a, a graphics jar. If there's somebody who knows how to do graphics, hey, send us a message. Do you want to count? Maybe maybe Fluff could count. Or is he? Hmm. He's not. Sorry. Yeah, he doesn't have the dedication needed. I don't think it's gonna. Oh. Don't think it's gonna work. He's not. He's hurting my feet. There we go. Any other thoughts before I wrap it up? Um, if you feel like you need to shut down your Twitter or shut down the news for a couple of days, don't feel ashamed. It's normal. Even professionals feel overwhelmed these days. It's true. And I'll tell you, Just there's saying. a couple of people that I've spoken to on the Twitter machines recently who haven't left the Twitter machines because it is where a lot of this stuff happens. Um, but they have taken little breaks for two or three days where they've just shut it down, given their password to someone else. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, because this oh, is, I did this that is, this week. There you go. It's a long game. Um, but the other thing that I would just say is, you know what? Don't get discouraged because at the end of the day, the only thing that ever stops this sort of stuff from continuing is the good people who demand better. So don't be afraid to demand better. Sarah talked about it last show, write your MLA, let them know how you're feeling because I'll tell you something. I'd be willing to bet. Even if you've got a UCP MLA, some of us do, but even if you do, especially in Calgary, I, it's true. I would be willing to bet there's a lot of real uh, crisis of conscience going on because that's how far they've gotten. Um, let them know. Let them know that you're not happy. Let them know that you you don't want to see things continue the way that they are, and let them know that 
they need to, I don't know, stand up and defend basic democratic principles or institutions or something because you, know, you never know. Some of them might. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. And as always, keep the conversation going. Thank mm-hmm. you.